0: So, it's an interesting passage. And up until this week, I would always have gone for the second half of it. All those people that came to Jesus and said, oh, I want to follow you. And then Jesus, in his wisdom, spotted all these things that might get in the way. And before we're judgmental, He might have been speaking about me as well. But that wasn't what took me as I read the lectionary passage for this week. I was immediately drawn to the first part of it. And I've never preached in the first part of it before. Um, Maybe because it's too close to uh, the bone of my own soul. But I was just taken with James and John wanting to bring judgment down. Wanting to bring down fire from heaven to destroy those who Who were in opposition to them. I was taken by that. A couple of weeks ago, I maybe told you this last week, there was a surprise birthday party for my father-in-law and I went on the radio the day before and told uh, the UK um, that that was happening, being pretty confident that nobody in the UK that was up at a quarter to six would be meeting Brian over the course of the next 24 hours. But let me tell you a secret, and it's not a big secret, but it's neither is it public, That, uh, and it's not that exciting, so don't be sitting there at the edge of your seat. But uh, the name of next year's Four Corners Festival is Building a City of Grace. And we're already on our way down the road to trying to put a, a festival together that might look at that across uh, different aspects of Belfast. And one of the things that Father Martin has been bringing back to us and back to us and back to us at our committee meetings, has been a poem by John Hewitt from 1936 called The Bloody Bray. And uh, it's hard to believe that this was written way before the troubles, but let me read just a few lines of it. Heaven is here, Belfast building a city of grace. Heaven is here, but hell is here beside it. And violence breeds like the thistle blowing over the world. Hate follows hate in a hard, bitter circle. Our hate, the hate I give and the hate I have given, we should have used pity and grace to break the circle. Sorry, I think it's the hate I give and the hate I have been given. We should have pity and grace to break the circle. We live in a city that's graceless. Just on Friday at the Four Corners uh, Committee, uh, Gladys was sharing, we were looking at possible speakers, and she came up with a girl who, I'm not sure, I think it's a, it has to be a Nigerian father, um, um, who was brought up here um, with a Nigerian father and a Northern Irish mother, um, obviously mixed race, uh, not the white kind of skin that I have, and how she lost her father in a bomb in 1980 on the railway track from Ballymena to Belfast, and she'd written a book on it, and it came out in 2015. And so we wondered about whether we could have her as a speaker, and we immediately tried to find out where she was now, and would she do that kind of thing. And Google being Google, we discovered that in 2016, no, 17, She'd been saying something about the book and had come out of a meeting somewhere in Belfast and had been set upon by a group of white uh, supremacists. And though she told them she was from Belfast and that her mother was white, they beat her up and she has left Belfast to live in England to be away from the possibility that because of the color of her skin, she would get a kicking. Heaven is here. And hell is here beside it. And the hate I give and the hate I've been given. We live in a very graceless city a lot of the time. And it's very easy to be angry at such a thing. And to watch these uh, white supremacists or whatever you want to call them. uh, Walking away from beating up a young teenage girl. And turning to Jesus and saying, Jesus, will we call down fire from heaven on them? And they don't have to be those who beat people up. Think about your own life. Think about the times over the last week or weeks when you were just so angry with what you'd seen on the television or even in your own life that you were thinking, I tell you what, God's going to bring His judgment down on those people. Jesus, first thing to say about this is, What confidence James and John had. Disciples weren't full of confidence a lot of the time. But what confidence they had that they thought they could bring. Look, Jesus, anytime you need it, I'll just say, fire, come down from heaven and take them out. What confidence. But Jesus rebuked them. Because he was on a lesson, was he not? That the first shall be last and the last shall be first. I always say, almost every week, Fitzroy's great because when you get up for the sermon, if you preach an absolutely awful sermon, the worship has been so good up until that point that people would still go home blessed because they're in Fitzroy. After that last song that they taught us, I thought, darn it, that's the whole sermon in three verses. I don't even need to get up and preach. But being me, my primary two teacher did say, I talked so much that I would end up a preacher. Here I am not giving it in to the song. We have this desire for judgment And Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. Because I believe that we need to believe confidently. Like James and John did in this moment. Let's give the boys credit at this moment. But to these sons of thunder, let's say to them, don't be called the sons of thunder. What about being called the sons of the gentle Irish weather? Believe confidently but hold it gently. Why would we do that? Well, you know why we would do that? We would do that because those guys that beat up that girl in Belfast were made in the image of God. And whoever it is that's at the last edge of what we would believe in or think about, they were made in the image of God. I love... Marilyn Robinson and that particular aspect of her, how she just inspires our thinking about other human beings. She talks about the wonder of the human being, that person sitting beside you right now, or bless you against your will, that guy you're looking at at the front of the church, that that, that person you're looking at or sitting beside is full of the wonder of God's creation. They are an intrigue. They are a mystery. They are something spectacular. And I think about all the places I've been in the world that are amazing, but I've seen it. There's the photograph. Take it. That is the photo. But if you take a photograph of me, you're not seeing me. You ask Janice, there's a lot of intrigue going on behind the photograph. All the wonder of being made in the image of God. And then Marilyn Robinson, this novelist, Come, bit of a theologian, and Paul Lutton's doing his master's dissertation on her, so we'll hear a bit more about her, hopefully, over the course of the next year. She's delighted that humanity's in the center of the idea of creation, that all these places we go this summer are good, but the Bible tells us that the people you're sitting beside, the people you're looking at the back of the heads of, even that guy at the front that you're looking at straight on, that they are made in the image of God, and they are very good thousands of pounds spent in a holiday to see that mountain, when right beside you every day in Fitzroy, there's something more spectacular. She says, I find the soul a valuable concept, a statement of the dignity of human life and of the utter gravity of human action and experience. The soul, the human, valuable, dignity, and the gravity of what we do. I want to very quickly, my printers decided, and I've got a a new uh, laptop, and the printers decided to do it double-backed. That's caused me some great grief in my sermons. A few weeks ago, I did it double-backed, and then I did it on one page, and I'd missed three pages of the sermon. You'll be glad to hear you got out earlier than that week, so I just had to remember to turn it around there. But I want to do three things um, this morning, three thoughts from this idea believing gently and holding it or believing confidently and holding it gently. Uh, Presbyterian you might say. And the first is that line. Let's look at Jesus who believed very confidently but who held it gently. As I was thinking about it this week I thought Jesus the King of kings and the Lord of lords the God of the entire universe And what do you remember him in the stories of? He's about mangers and donkeys and crosses. There's not thrones or palaces or a rule by military force. There's mangers and donkeys and crosses. The word became flesh like we are. He humbled himself. There was a humility about who God became in the person of Jesus. And there was a grace about how he went about doing his business, whether it was with lepers, or prostitutes, or tax collectors. Zacchaeus that we mentioned last week, that we're going to be talking about in Onilaku. this guy that nobody wanted to get near Jesus, and Jesus comes into Jericho, and he goes by grace to the very person that probably all the rest of that town are saying, will we bring fire and judgment down in Zacchaeus? Because he's a bad one, Lord. No, we will not bring fire and judgment down on him, boys. We're going to go and have dinner with him. What? Believe confidently. Hold it gently. As Jesus came with humility and grace, so we go with humility and grace. Secondly, and it came out in the song, can I say again, I had no decision making in this song this morning or any other songs, but these guys... They just nail it every week that shines with songs that are relevant to what we're doing. And it just starred that even the plank is mentioned, but it was a lovely word. A plank-eyed saint, oh, I love that line. Me, all of us. A plank-eyed saint with dirty hands and a heart divided. Jesus did tell us, why do you look at the spark of sawdust in your brother or sister's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother or sister, let me take the spack out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the spack from your brother's and sister's eye. And basically what the plank is doing in this particular illustration of Jesus, the plank in our own eye is taking away our perspective of self critique. I think that the greatest thing that everyone could have in life is self-critique. Oh, boy, do I need it. Oh, boy, do I need it. And so at one stage, and I've told you before, I went back. I thought, well, let's do a bit of self-critique. My parents. What did I get from my parents? Always in the wrong lane. I mean, always in the wrong lane. Amen, she would shout if we were in a Pentecostal church. My dad, it's like, it's like just being in the, it's like i am come back in time. I'm my dad, Janice is my mother. Do you think you should be in this lane? No, I don't. Or do you think you should have got out of that lane a mile ago before you were going to turn left half a mile ago? No, I didn't, so we're still driving. Self-critique. Looking into the more serious things that you pick up from parents, that you pick up from the town you're brought up in, the, the culture you're brought up in, the theology you're brought up in, the church you're brought up in, the society you're brought up in, the trauma of the, trum- the troubles, the divided nature of the troubles, the sectarianism that's all around us. Critiquing all of that and asking ourselves, what does that mean in the gravity of actions of our humanity on a weekly basis? We need to take the plank out of our own eye so that we can see ourselves And what we say and what we do and think carefully about what we say and what we do rather than judging others. Psalm 139, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. I've told you before about F.W. DeClerc, who came to meet my students, the the, The guy who was in the president of South Africa that let out Nelson Mandela and then allowed um, South Africa to go to one uh, person, one vote. And when he met our students and he was talking about peacemaking, he said, First of all, search your hearts. What's the motive for your peacemaking? And secondly, he said, Search your hearts again to just check that you didn't miss anything in your self critique. Oh, the gravity of the things we do as human beings. Oh, the gravity of the things that we do as followers of Jesus. But if we would just allow the Spirit to search us, if we would be conscious of the Spirit searching us, then maybe we wouldn't be bringing down as much judgment on others as trying to see our own need, our own brokenness, our own Uh, the lines of the song, we cut down people in your name, but the sword was never ours to swing. My goodness, we need to be singing it again. It's an incredibly powerful song. The plank that blocks the self-critique. And then finally, a holiness, a longing for a holiness that feeds the world, not our own self-righteousness. I wonder if we cut through the DNA of Northern Ireland evangelicalism over the last 50 years and asked ourselves, what was the the greatest sin within that? Would it not be self-righteousness? Where we get to a point where we are so righteous, where we are so holy, that our holiness becomes a badge to ourselves so that we can turn and say to Jesus, bring your judgments down on those. Now, let me t- go for a culturally relevant illustration of this, if I can. It might not work. I've just thought about it now. Not prepared. Let's send it out there. But then what you're saying is like any other Sunday. Um, Friday night, Glastonbury wasn't there, but you can watch it on TV. Stormzy's on. Now, Stormzy's a grime artist. Whatever the. I, what does that mean? He's a rapper. It does the rap thing. I don't really get the rap thing. I love words, but the rap thing? Now, when I wrote a book way back in time about secular saints, I wanted to put a rap artist in it. And I searched all these rap artists. Some of them had so many interesting things to say that would be prophetic and that I as a Christian could have went with. But there was so much swearing and so much abuse of women that I couldn't find one that I was prepared to put in the book. Now, Stormzy, Stormzy uh, is not Balamina Brethren in his language. He's like all the other artists. And so again on Friday night, there was an odd expletive went out from Stormzy. But near the end of this history-making gig, the first black artist, the first black British artist to headline Glastonbury ever, A guy who's brought down the barriers of race and brought down the barriers of class in the work that he's been doing over these last number of years is on main stage at Glastonbury and it's gone out all over the world on TV. And right at the end, right at the climax when you're thinking, what's going to be his encore? What's going to be the big hit? Storms, he says, I'm going to take you to church, Glastonbury. And I'm having a laugh. There's maybe 100,000 people out in front of him. 100,000, mainly English mainly secular, probably atheist, laugh-at-God kind of crowd. And Stormzy is headlining, and they're loving it. They're taking it out of the, the palm of his hand. And what does he do as his conclusion? He takes them to church. And he sings this song that he's got that talks about how God has saved him. And without God saving him, he wouldn't be there. And he gives the gratitude for being on main stage at Greenbelt, or at Greenbelt, we only wish, at uh, Glastonbury, to God it's an amazing moment. It's incredible. And I'm thinking, preach it, Stormzy, preach it. He wasn't missing the moment. And then the Facebook threads start. Pete Gregg, who's written so many influential books and had headed up and founded the 24-7 prayer movement, he talks about Stormzy taking us to church at Glastonbury. And somebody's in behind it saying, well, he did use the F-word. And so by saying that he used the F word, well, really, we don't want to be listening to anything else he's saying, because the truth is not the truth unless we don't use the F word. And then he quoted James. We've got to be careful with our tongue. And I'm thinking, oh my, oh my. Let's consider what that might mean in the context of what it means. And in the context of what it means, it's going back to a commandment, I think, that says, don't bear false witness against your Stormzy brother. Eugene Peterson paraphrase, I understand. Don't bear false witness against your brother or sister. Don't bear false witness. Gossip, rumor that has torn churches apart, that has torn societies apart, that has torn the world apart, that's the danger of the tongue. I'm not saying that I endorse Stormzy's F-words, but it's an F-word. And it's like gone into the air, whereas our gossip, and our rumour mongering, and our fake, fake truth and our fake news and our fake whatever else we have, is ripping families and relationships apart because of our self righteousness. We dismiss brothers and sisters because we've got it so sensitively, obsessively. Let me tell you, when we think that health and safety is obsessive and we can't take chestnuts to school and play the games. Think of the self-righteousness of evangelicalism over the last 50 years and health and safety is a breeze. Oh, we want a holiness. We long for Stormzy to be holy. But the guy's feeding the world. He's not feeding his own self-righteousness. And it's the self-righteous that are pulling him down. Let me draw it to a conclusion, but sadly not with the same excitement as Stormzy or even the killers last night, but with much stronger words and much more eternal words and with much more biblical impact, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. That's what our holiness is about. That's what our Jesus following is about, that we would bring righteousness. Now, when I grew up in the self-righteous echo chamber of it That's self-right. Seek first the kingdom of God. That means no swearing, Steve. No smoking. No drinking. And if you can avoid the cinema, avoid the cinema because it does say sin, Emma. (laughs) That was the height of the kingdom. That was it. How easy I found that kingdom to bring. I didn't smoke very much. I gave up swearing pretty quickly. I still went to the cinema, I have to say. And I didn't drink for another 10 years. And of course, it's only milk that I still drink. But anyway, those things are easy. If that's the kingdom, it's a dawdle. But when, Walter, when um, uh, Nick Wolterstorff was here, right at this podium, he taught us that righteous in that context should be or could be translated as justice. It wasn't about self-righteousness and giving up we things. It was about justice in the world that we lived in. Seek first the justice of God in the world, and all these things will be added, is the truth. Because if we brought justice in the world, nobody would be hungry. Nobody would have, uh, everybody would have an education. There would be human rights for all if we brought justice on the earth. So if we bring justice on the earth, all the other things will be added. It's Jeremiah reflected in the New Testament. Jeremiah said, seek peace and prosperity of the city, which carried you into exile, pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you prosper. If we make Belfast into a city of grace, then we will benefit from being in that city of grace. If we bring God's kingdom on earth, then we will benefit from being in that kingdom of God. We won't need that greed or that competitiveness or all those other things, because our holiness is not about our own self-righteousness. It's not a badge or some kind of arrogance that allows us to bring judgment down on anybody that doesn't do the way we do it. It's about serving the world and bringing justice and God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. If we brought heaven and earth, everything else is added. If we bring heaven and earth, we will benefit from that too. So it's not about a holiness that causes us to be James and John and self-righteousness. It's a holiness that brings the justice of God on earth as it is in heaven. Let's pray. Lord, forgive us. Lord, forgive me. For the times this week or the years down the road when I've had those moments of wanting to bring your judgment down on others when I've been far from gentle with the carrying of your faith, far from humble and gracious. Lord, by your Spirit, search my heart, search our hearts. Take away that plank and help us to have self-critique. But help our self-critique by sending your Spirit into the dark corners of our soul to make us holy. Holy, not for our own arrogance or self-righteousness, but a holiness that comes with gentleness and grace and, yes, confidence. To long to bring your justice, your kingdom, your peace and well-being to not only our city, but India and Arua and wherever else we will be in this world this summer Lord may we be friends of sinners like Jesus was a friend of sinners and may we break Lord by the things that are breaking your heart forgive our arrogance help us to believe confidently and to carry it gently in Jesus name Amen.